0: Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. And uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And we already know who is gonna win. So we don't even need to talk about that. Jesus is going to win. He already won. I love lame church jokes. But before I preach today, uh, we have a very special guest that I want to introduce to you. Uh, He has made time to be available here at Cornerstone Church, and I would love us—actually, if you are— If you are a Bowling Green fan, if you could stand up on your feet, if you are, if you attended Bowling Green or if you attend Bowling Green State University, if you live in Bowling Green, if you work in Bowling Green, if you're a fan of Bowling Green, if you can stand up on your feet. And everybody, if you could help me welcome the head coach of the University of Toledo football team, Jason Kendall, to the platform. I'm so sorry, Tony. We will pray for you after service.
1: (laughs) Welcome. Thank you for having me here. My gosh, it might get loud in here. Come on. Hey, the good Lord preaches that you can make a couple mistakes in life. So you Falcon fans, I'm with you here. It's about the response, not not the event. That's right. But well, Jason, you are, um,
0: you are already incredibly successful in your seasons as the head coach of the University of Toledo Rockets. And um, I'm so glad that you're here because I, I think you've been coached for seven years now, right? Yep. And I'm, not, I'm gonna brag on him because he's not gonna brag on himself, but you're already one of the most winningest coaches in UT history. <laughs> Leading us to victories all over the place and I know that UT is working hard to keep you here. I know that everybody else has you on their radar trying to get you there, but we're so glad that you're here with us for the time that we have you here. You've had so much success in your time, your short time at UT, and you've had so much success in your early years. Talk to us about how you stay grounded around so much success that you've had.
1: Well, first of all, I'm humbled to be here in, in, in your guys' presence and, you know, the message you're sending here is unbelievable and very impactful. And, and I think I would start there. I mean, you just talked about a gratitude report. I think I, it's about an attitude of gratitude. I think, um, you know, we all are tasked with a, a a job each and every day to try to yeah, – and, I, and, I, and actually, the quick story, uh, I'm actually having this conversation with a, with a player here uh, last Saturday um, – you know, and he's going through putting his resume together, and everything that he's listing on there is, is the skills that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think, to me, is, is making that resume uh, to, to impress somebody, to think to – that, really, that's not who he is. I mean, we're talking about performance skills here versus moral skills. Right. Uh, I think our moral skills, we get – everybody gets enamored with performance skills, and uh, we don't pay enough attention to the moral piece of it. So I think at, the, at first and foremost, it, it has to have – you have to have humility – Uh, if you have humility, you have the ability to get better because you have the ability to tell yourself the truth. Uh, It gives you the ability to let other people tell you the truth and where you're at. Um, And I think in life, we easily can get sidetracked and we always want to make sure that we, um, you know, stay on that line. And and obviously here every Sunday, you're, you know, to me, it's a the vision, you know, faith is pretty simple in, in what the vision is, but how do we help each other stay connected to the vision? And yep. I think I've always surrounded myself with people, uh, my wife included, uh, my kids that uh, allow me to stay connected to the vision.
0: Yeah, love it. So one of the things that you are practically excelling in, you've just been really successful in, besides just winning in general, we, we love winners here at Cornerstone. God loves God loves everybody, but we love winners here at Cornerstone, right? Right. Um, and, uh, and so one of the things that you've been so successful in is your ability to recruit and draw in talent. You might uh, read this about him, you might know this about him, that we are able to recruit all kinds of players to UT that have no business playing in Toledo. But you've been so successful bringing them here and keeping them here, and I know that there are many people who are employers in the region, people who are trying to attract and draw in talent. We know that everybody's hiring, it seems like, in the world right now, right? So uh, what is, maybe practically, can you talk to your ability to find success in attracting talent and keeping talent in the region?
1: Maybe that's a question I should ask you. I watch all these talent, that people come up here and perform <laughs> early. My gosh, uh, give these, give them a hand, my lord. Yeah, so um, but I think. You know, I think that, you know, you want to surround yourself with people that are like-minded like yourself if you possibly can. You want to, uh, I think in today's world, and I'm, and I'm talking to the young people over here, you know, Christopher just came up here and talked about, um, you know, his his commitment to wanting to be a great player, yet wanting to make sure that he doesn't leave faith on the sidelines, sure. so to speak. But, um, you know, I think you want to surround yourself with like-minded people. You want to have people in your organization that love the, the nuts and bolts of what it is. And uh, so, so so often, uh, young people love the things that go along with sports, the notoriety, everybody's going to turn on the game tonight and uh, see all the cool commercials and see all the cool presentation and, and don't, don't get it twisted. The NFL is doing that for a reason. There's dollars and cents involved. But at the end of the day, what I think you – and what I would hope you would see is a bunch of grown men that have worked really, really hard to get to a point in time in their life that they get to be on the ultimate stage. And you see the passion, the energy – uh, that 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 brings from them. So I want guys that love football. I want guys that understand the value of free education. And I want guys, first and foremost, at the end of the day, that are just good human beings and, and have enough humility for us to, to help them stay connected to their vision.
0: Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I love about you is that you speak about the players. They are athletes, but you don't speak about them like they're just athletes, that you are helping raise young men in this area. And, and part of that, I think, comes from um, an ability to connect with them. And so when I look around this space and when I consider those that are joining online right now, I know that there are many parents who want better relationships with their sons. And you have a great ability to be connecting with young men. What are some of the things that you do or some of the things that you've learned to help connect with young men in particular?
1: Well, I think change is inevitable, um, but obviously, greatness is a choice. Um, you have to understand and, and want to be able to to feel like that those young people are in that you're in the fight with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really easy to put on a hat and a whistle um, and call yourself a coach, but that is by far the furthest thing from the truth in today's day and age. You know, we're in the business of building young people. Um, you know, there's 353 days out of the year that we don't we do not have a football game, and and if, if I don't pay any attention to those days and we don't make great decisions and reinforce the behaviors that uh, are going to lead to success, then shame on us. So um, I have enough, you know, I guess you, could, you would call it, you know, uh, investment or blind faith to a certain extent that those 12 opportunities that we are guaranteed a game, we're going to go out and perform really, really well together because of the emphasis and the time and energy spent in those 353 days that there's not a game. So uh, my advice to parents would be is just to continue to invest in your young people. Um, it's not always going to be, uh, we don't have to like the behavior, but we have to love them. And I think there's a difference there. And sometimes we can kind of get that path and that, and that message cross. So uh, adjust the behavior to, to how you see fit and kind of, again, there's a lot of challenges out there for young people in today's world. Um, you know, the things that, that young people are exposed to, that we were exposed to maybe in my generation in high school, that's happening now in middle school. Um, and it's not, it, there's some good, uh, but it's not all good. So I think have authentic conversations, uh, continue to build strong relationships, live in, and be in the fight with them and, and help them you know, stay connected and doing things like today, coming to church and doing, uh, seeing, seeing a bigger picture rather than maybe what they see on a device in their hand.
0: Yep. Yeah, so good. You can clap if you want to. This is a rowdy church. You can make as much noise as you want. Everybody except Greg, you're allowed to make as much noise as you want.
1: I see a Cowboys fan over there that's not clapping.
0: One Cowboys fan. I feel like Cowboys fans are always upset at this time of year. They're always excited at the beginning of the year, and then it ain't never work out
1: for them. Yeah, Philly's got, them, got, yeah. them, got their spirits down. Yeah, lift, yeah. lift them up today. Yeah.
0: So, uh, actually, at the, at the beginning of the year... Many of us make New Year's resolutions, we make commitments to be more disciplined in our routines and in our work life and in what we're eating, all of those kind of things. Discipline is so important when it comes to our success, not just in the year and not just for ourselves, but just in life. And that, that's of course true for your athletes as well, for the guys that you're helping raise and lead. Can you talk about discipline? What's your approach in it? How do you go after it? Is it something that can be taught or is it something that is innate within somebody?
1: Well, I think we have the luxury that we we get to pick and choose who comes to our program sure. um, to a certain extent. But I, I, I say this often. I've said this publicly. I'll say it here again today. To me, man's greatest struggle is being who you said you were going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, whether you're a 43 year old head football coach, whether you're a 17 year old young man coming out of high school, whether you're uh, wherever you are in your path and your journey, that is a, that is a real struggle. That's a real thing. Um, so say, staying disciplined and, and, and really just, I don't use discipline a lot as um, a punishment. You know, I think discipline is, is uh, you know, that should be, you know, we're proactive thinkers rather than reactive. You know, we want to make sure that uh, you, know, you just understand that this is what you said you wanted to do, um, and I'm going to help you get there um, through authentic conversation, genuine personal relationships, and like I said, trying to walk the walk with those guys so they feel like you're in the fight with them. Um, very similar to what you're trying to do here. And I yep. think that uh, when people really, you know, they, peel, they open the hood of the car and they feel like that that engine's really genuine and they feel like that you're in that fight with them, they're going to go the extra step. They know that there's going to be some adverse situations and they're going to have times where it doesn't go their way uh, like we all do. Uh, I always talked often about how um, there's a difference between reactions and responses. Wow. The world loves to react, and, and we're ultimately going to be judged off our responses. So, so stay in the fight with them, help them with those responses, and, yep. and really try to help stay connected to who, being them being who they said they were going to be.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Did y'all catch that one? All right, so last question, last question. You might not know this, but Coach Candle, uh, his former roommate is the current head coach of the Philly Eagles which means that he's got the inside scoop on what's getting ready to happen later on today. So from your position, who's gonna win?
1: Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: Come on. That's the the right answer. I knew I liked you. Hey everybody, would you stand to your feet and help me thank Coach Candle for joining us here at Cornerstone Church. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Whether you're a BG fan or a UT fan or something else, I'm so glad that, uh, that we have someone just like you in our area. And now Mer- I know that Meredith and I love going to UT games. I know that we love, um, I love just taking our boys to UT games. It's always a, a family fun, um, family friendly experience to see what's going on. And, and so I'm so thankful for what you're doing in the team and the way that you're leading our guys in the area as well. Uh, actually, let's... Um, Let's stay standing so that we can read some scripture and then Meredith likes her pulpit on the side, I like it right in front. But we're gonna read some scripture. If you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 40 and 31, Isaiah 40, 31, it says this, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and they will rise on wings like eagles, eagles. Eagles. Who's gonna win the Super Bowl today? Eagles. Eagles. Eagles, I'm just playing, that's not my scripture for today. If you wanted to know, the eagles are mentioned 33 times in the Bible. But, and I think that the chiefs are mentioned like 300 times, but it's almost always used in a negative sense, like the chief of sinners and that kind of thing. So I hope you ain't going for the chiefs today. (laughs) Hebrews 4, that's where we're going. Hebrews 4. As I have been thinking about, in this season, I've just been um, reminded of the goodness of Jesus in my life, and I, I, I don't know how to describe it. There are different times and in different seasons that I'm drawn to God the Father, different times that I feel drawn to the Holy Spirit. In this season, I've just been drawn to the person of Jesus, and I've been reminded about what he has done for us, what he has done for me. And I've just been wrecked and floored again and again as I've been reminded of the faithfulness of Jesus in my life. And so today I want to take some time talking about Jesus, if that's all right. We're going to, of course, scripture is Hebrews 4 and 15. And it says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Someone say every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a high priest who is able to empathize with us. God, I'm so thankful that you are here with us. I'm so thankful that you are able to empathize with us. I'm so thankful that you're not a God who is far off, but that you are here with us. And God, I ask that the revival that is breaking out in Asbury and the university down there, that it would begin to spark around this nation, God, the thing that you are doing in Asprey with the students, I ask that you would begin to grow that, that embers would be caught around the nation, and God, if you can do it there, then you can do it here. If you can do it with them, then you can do it with us. God, do it with us. We're hungry for you, and we're hungry for your presence today, and if you are, I want to encourage you to say amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab your seats here today. I love how Jesus is presented and represented in this scripture, that we have a high priest who is not far off, but we have a high priest who is near us. If you didn't pick up on it, that's talking about Jesus right there, that we have a high priest who is near us. We have a high priest who is not distant and removed. We have a high priest who is near us. He is close to us and he understands us. He empathizes with us. And so if you have ever lived in poverty, he gets it. He gets your experience. If you have ever been disappointed, he gets it, and he understands it. If you have ever been abandoned, forgotten about, discarded, he gets it. He understands your experience because he is a God who is able to empathize with us. In whatever situation that you find yourself in today, he is able to empathize with you in your situation, in your reality. He's a God who is able to come down from heaven, to condescend from heaven to earth. The the reality is, is that many of us are happy for God, though, to condescend to earth, but we don't want to allow Jesus to ascend back into heaven because we want to worship a God who is like us, We want to worship a God who is relatable, a God who is weak in some ways, a God who we can understand. We allow Jesus to condescend down to earth, but we don't want Jesus to ascend back into heaven because we want a friend more than we want a savior because we want someone who can provide for us, then someone who we must surrender our lives to, someone who we must submit our lives to. So we're happy to allow Jesus to come down from heaven, but we don't want to let him go back into heaven. In some ways, Jesus is just like us. In some ways, he is nothing like us as well. He's able to understand your situation. He's un- able to understand your sin, but he doesn't sin. He's able to understand your weakness, but he doesn't he have any weakness of his own. And so we like the idea of a strong God, but we want to connect with a weak God. We like to think about a strong God. We like, on a Sunday morning, we like to sing about a strong God, a God of great victory, but the God that we like to connect with is a God that is weak and a God that is meek in our minds. Meek, little, Baby, eight pounds, three ounce Jesus. That's the Jesus that we like to connect with, right? And we even have this scripture that the meek will inherit the earth. Jesus talked about this, that the meek will inherit the earth. And and I've always struggled with this scripture that the meek will inherit the earth. Because in some ways, the way that we understand meekness is often conflated and connected with weakness. That the meek will inherit the earth it doesn't say the weak the weak will inherit the earth that's something else the weak don't inherit anything right except for the gym the weak are going to inherit the gym the, but even the scripture that the meek will inherit the earth i've always struggled with this until recently i understood it in a new way because we often think of meekness and weakness like it's the same kind of thing but a better way to understand that the meek will inherit the earth is like this it was explained in this way that Those who have a sword and know how to use it but keep it in its sheath, those people are gonna inherit the earth. Not weak people. Weak people are not gonna inherit the earth, but people who have a sword and know how to use it but keep it in its sheath, those people are gonna inherit the earth. Men and women who are able to keep your swords in your sheath. And this is so important to get because this changes everything. This changes the way that we understand meekness in its reality, right? Because especially for men, this is true for everybody, but especially for men, that we are taught to be quiet. We are taught to lack emotion. We are taught to be naive. We are taught to lack passion. We are taught to be quiet. Nothing could be further from the truth. You should be passionate. You should be emotional. You should be filled with sound. You you should be an absolute animal. You should be a beast, right? You should be a monster, and then and then, you should learn how to control it. You should be formidable, you should be powerful, and then you should be peaceful in that order. And I can get on board with this kind of Jesus, right? Because the, the idea of, of a little weak Jesus, I can't understand. I, I, I don't want to worship that kind of Jesus, but a, a God who is meek, One who is all powerful, one who has all authority, one who has all victory, but is able to be unprovoked, that's a Jesus that I can get on board with. And Jesus has passion, Jesus has emotion. Jesus flipped tables when he got angry. Jesus got angry. Come on, how many are thankful for a Jesus who gets angry sometimes? I know I get angry, but he never sinned. You can be emotional and not sin. And, and the idea of meekness, the way that I understand it in some ways is, is that um, I've got three little boys. Meredith and I have three little boys, and I love to wrestle with our boys. It's my favorite part of every single day. We wrestle, and uh, they think that they are stronger than me, and I'm only going to let them think that for like another year or two, right? But I, uh, when I wrestle with them, I don't use all of my power. I don't use all of my strength. I could cause great harm on them, but I don't. I hold myself back. I have control, right? And so when I'm wrestling with them, I don't use all of my strength. I hold some of it back. That is a better definition of what meekness is. M- meekness is not weakness. Meekness is, is an ability to have strength, to cause great harm, to cause great destruction, but then I also have the confidence that I don't need to do it. And that is who Jesus has called us to be people of great strength, people of great ability for destruction, but then also great self-control as well. That's a better definition of what it means to be meek, and I can get on board with that. And we don't, do, we don't do people a great service, we do people a disservice when we tell them to calm down all the time. When we tell people to be quiet, when we tell people to lack emotion, when we tell people just to be chill, calm down, right? We do people a disservice when we keep telling them to have that lack of emotion, because Jesus had emotion. And I don't wanna worship a Jesus who lacks emotion. Jesus gives us emotion that we should express, that we should experience, but we should also know how to contain that emotion as well. And um, when when I think This was part of the earlier part of service as well, but when I think about the goodness of God in my life, it just ruins me. When I think about the fact that God made me when he didn't have to make me, when he saves me, when he didn't have to save me, when he chose me, when he didn't have to choose me, when God looked in my direction, when he didn't have to look in my direction, when God continues to choose me, when he doesn't have to continue choosing. When I think about the goodness that is in my life because of God, it floors me. And I don't know how you can think about the God of all creation and not be moved. I don't know how you can think about the God that saves you and not be moved. He's a God who saves you. He's a God who restores you. He's a God who looked in your direction when you had no business with him looking in your direction. And I refuse to show more emotion when I'm at a football game than when I'm in church. No offense. I refuse to show more emotion when I'm watching TV than when I'm worshiping my savior. And some of y'all think that you can make noise in the 166 hours of the week outside of a church service and then you gotta be quiet and stand still when you're in a church service. This is a rowdy church and we like to make some noise when we think about what God has done for us. When you were far from God and he looked in your direction and he chased you down, that's what God did. That's what he did for you. It should move you. It should cause you to be filled with emotion, filled with passion. When I think about the fact that God moved in my direction, it fills me with emotion. When I think about the fact that in my worst moment in my life, Jesus looked in my direction. I was lonely, I was depressed, I was broken, and he looked in my direction. How many are thankful for a God that looks in your direction when you're wrestling with addiction, when you're wrestling with loneliness or depression or anxiety? He looks in your direction. I know that Peter is thankful Right, when we read about the story of when Jesus is getting ready to get crucified, and Jesus has just told Peter that he is going to deny him three times, and Peter's like, uh-uh, not me, that might be somebody else, but I ain't gonna do that. I've been walking with you, Jesus. I've been eating with you. I know exactly who you are. And then uh, the first person, it's a wild scene. There's people all over the place. It's just chaotic, right? And then the first person comes along and says to Peter, hey, I think that you're that guy. You are that guy that has been with Jesus for a few years. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not me, that's not me. I I don't know Jesus, I don't know the man. And then the next person comes along immediately afterwards. and says, yeah, 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 you're that guy. I've seen you and Jesus together. I know that you're that guy. And Peter's like, no, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. That's not me. And then the third person comes along immediately afterwards and says, I have seen you with Jesus. You look just like Jesus because we start to look like the people that we spend our time with. And I can see, I can see Jesus all over you. And Peter's like, no, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Get behind me. I, don't Stop telling people. I, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't know the man. And then in that moment, The crowd splits and Peter looks up and he sees Jesus looking straight at him. Having just denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus looks straight at him and he weeps, he is broken because he knows that he has just been journeying with Jesus for the last Three years. He's been eating with him. He's been listening to him. He's been taught by him. He's been journeying with Jesus for years now. And in a moment, he threw it all away. And he's filled with conviction. He's filled with shame. And Jesus looks at him. And that is the definition of grace that in your shame, in your mess, that you get what you don't deserve. You get a Jesus who is going to look in your direction, a Jesus who is going to chase you down, a Jesus who is not filled with shame and frustration when He looks at you, when He thinks about you, but a Jesus who is filled with compassion. That's grace. That's what Peter got, and that's what we get. And the other side of that is true as well, that as Jesus is standing there, he foretold, he prophesied that Peter was going to deny him three times. He said, I'm not gonna do it. And then he does it, and he does it, and he does it. And Jesus, fully man and fully God, is now wrestling with the emotion of having someone, his right-hand man, abandon him, forsake him, flee from him deny him and i don't know if if you've been in leadership for more than about a day then you know what it's like to have somebody that you trust and someone that you rely on to leave you and if that's you jesus gets it jesus gets peter jesus gets john jesus gets you jesus gets it in all of your shame in all of your frustration, in all of your abandonment, in all of your denial, Jesus gets you. He understands you. He understands your addiction. He understands your weakness. We do not have a high priest who is far off. We have a high priest who is able to understand and empathize with us. He gets you. He gets you. He understands exactly where you are. He understands why you did what you did. He understands why you made that choice when you didn't have to. He understands why you've been running from Him. The good news is that you do not have to do it anymore. And today is a great day for you to come into right relationship with Jesus. Today is a great day for you to respond and to stop running. Today is a great day for you to acknowledge the God of all creation, your God that made you. Today is a good day for you to come in right relationship with Him. And we're gonna pray a prayer in just a moment that acknowledges Him as Lord. And you know this is for you if your heart is beating really hard in your chest. You know this is for you if you have been drawn to this Jesus. Maybe you were taught earlier in life that God is mad at you, that God is off in heaven, that he's far off, that he wants nothing to do with you, that you were a mistake and that God is ashamed with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. God gets you, Jesus gets you. And this is our moment to respond. This is our moment to understand and to connect with Jesus who is your savior. You know that it's you if you don't know where you're going when you die. All of us are gonna die. If you don't know where you're going, this is your moment to respond. And i want all of us to pray this in this moment for the benefit of those that are coming to know him for the very first time i want us to all pray this out loud because when we come into right relationship with jesus we're not just connecting with him we're also entering into a family of believers as well and you're coming home you don't have to run from him anymore you don't have to run from the church anymore you get to be in right relationship and in a family of god today and so i want us to all pray this out loud in this moment god I come to you now, broken and in need of a savior. I thank you that you're not far off, but that you get me, my weakness and my sin. And today I turn from that and I move in your direction. I repent of my sin. I declare, that I am not God, but I need a God, and that you are my God. I declare today that I am saved, that I am changed, that I am made new, and that I am a child of God." Come on, if everybody could just lift up a sound of celebration in this house today for those that are coming to know Christ for the first time for those that are making a recommitment today, here's what I want you to do. This is so important right now. Tell somebody. You can see the information on how you can do that on the screen. There's people in red shirts that are around that can hand out cards to you, or whether you're online, put something in the chat and let somebody know today that you have just made a decision for Christ, that you have stopped running from the God that gets you, and you have moved towards the God that understands you. Amen? Tell somebody today. Before we leave, before we leave here today, there's just a couple things that I wanna let you know about. We are a part of a movement that is declaring Jesus everywhere. We declare Jesus not just in the two hours on a Sunday morning, we declare Jesus everywhere. And I'm so excited to let you know that today at the Super Bowl, because Jesus is the winner, that Jesus is going to be in the Super Bowl today. You're gonna see two commercials. You might have heard about this already. That there's two commercials that are gonna play during the Super Bowl today that talks about this specifically that Jesus gets you. He understands you. It's awesome. I'm so glad that we get to be a part of this. You're gonna see and understand Jesus in a brand new way. So, this is what I want you to do. Number one, You need to understand that as our church continues to go after people, our church is gonna continue looking different, right? Because we are going to continue going after people that need Jesus in our community, not people who have everything together. But so part of the initiative, part of what we're doing is that when people later at night are Googling all kinds of things like I'm depressed or I'm anxious or people are looking for porn or all kinds of different things, instead of finding worldly solutions, they're being pointed to Jesus instead of those solutions that are being brought to them about I need drugs or I need alcohol or I need a fix or whatever that is they're being pointed to the church and so as that continue maybe you might be in the room you might be joining online because you've already been pointed to this church because of that it's important that we continue to prepare our hearts for those that God is calling here to be willing to accept and to respond and to welcome those that God is calling here. And so this is what I want you to do about the commercials that are gonna be playing in the Super Bowl later on today. It's gonna talk about how Jesus gets us. I want you to think throughout the rest of today about somebody who needs Jesus. This might be someone who you've been ministering to. This might be someone who maybe you haven't spoken to in a little while. I want you to think about that person who needs Jesus in their life. And then I want you to text that person when the commercial plays later on today during the Super Bowl. Tell them, Jesus gets you. Jesus understands you. Jesus made you. He values you. He loves you. Jesus wants you. That's what I want you to do. Think about the person and then text the person when you see the commercial come up during the Super Bowl, all right? Can you do that? Awesome. That's what I want to let you know about today as well as that on your way out of today's service, you're gonna receive a card with some incredible things that are coming up for our Resilient Men's Ministry conference, events, all those kind of things that are going on. Make sure that you save the date for those kind of things. Make sure that you remember that God gets you, that Jesus made you, that he understands you, that he's not a God that is far off, but he's able to empathize with you. Stand up on your feet, greet somebody else on the way out. God bless you. I'm so glad that you've been here at Cornerstone Church today. We'll see you again next time.